0: Hi and welcome to The Unschooled Space, the podcast that's here to help parents embrace their personal journey into unschooling with all the challenges it's likely to bring. Each episode I look at different aspects of unschooling and talk with other parents about their experiences. This is episode 17 and I'm your host, Esther Jones. And today I'm talking with Simon Crummey. Simon lives in East Sussex in the UK with his partner Wendy and their son Luca who's 13. Luca was diagnosed autistic with demand avoidance and went to school on and off for some years and he now attends a self-directed learning centre. We talk about the impact of a child's environment on their mental health, how learning can look for a child with PDA and why trust really is the cornerstone to all of this. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Simon. Uh, Thanks very much for your time today. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Good to be here.
0: Well, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your family.
1: So we have a 13-year-old child now. We moved to Lewis just before he was born, so he's lived here all his life. I've increasingly become a middle-aged workaholic during his lifetime, although I wasn't really working very much at all, extremely part-time for the first five or six years of his life which was nice so I was really around right from day one doing half of everything or you know like being interchangeable with mum as much as you know someone who only shows up for an hour a week or plays games or something and yeah Lucas was always in school and out of school and in school and eventually diagnosed with ASD of some sort and we eventually ended up uh, in the last few months um he's, he's been going to sml college
0: yeah so for anyone listening who who doesn't know that that's a self-managed learning center where they the children sort of engage in autonomous learning with learning advisors um yeah so you could you took about two years out of school before going there is that is that right well,
1: yeah more or less yeah and yeah, you know, I, I think to be fair my wife was more Tuned in earlier to the the idea of it and more doubtful about the benefits of going to school, you know, and what they would be and was probably more instinctively interested in unschooling or, you know, some other method of schooling. But I think as parents, you're constantly bombarded by your own conditioning and the, the reinforcement from friends family and and the wider social circle that you know you know sort of daring you to you know like like you, what do you, what do you mean you're not thinking of doing this or you're not going to do that you must do this you must do that and and you've got an internal voice telling you all these things as well so so I sort of think you know I, I don't think I was close to the idea at, at all But I think what happens with all the conditioning and all the the pressure is we just sort of thought, well, he may as well go and and try it. Maybe he'll just, you know, he'll come back and be absolutely love it and settle in and it'll all be wonderful sort of thing. So he did go, whenever that is, five and a half or or something like that. And it was probably okay for the first year. It's all new and different anyway. Um, Well, actually, I say that, my memory's serving me badly. He actually went to one school first and had... Uh, a difficult time it was, um, it was a bigger school yeah, you know, quite large and had problems socially with some of the other kids and some sort of accident where he cut his head open and sort of pushed around a bit and it was a bit rough for him sort of thing so we switched schools to a smaller village school and and that was better for a bit then but but then he was there for a year and a half two, two years and, and sort of Increasingly became aware that he still had social difficulties and sort of been emotionally bullied by another child who he kind of put on a pedestal because it was the one child he knew before he went there. Not physically bullied him, but, but just sort of yeah, emotionally bullied and dominated and stuff. And it, it, yeah, by the end, he was clearly not happy about going in um, and and just clearly not enjoying it. So we at that point just decided and we'd increasingly been reading and you know we'd had our doubts about the whole school system stuff anyway from day one. So we just thought, yeah, that we took the the plunge to take him out. And we had a year and a half to years homeschooling, uh, which was fine. He was emotionally sort of mentally helped him and he got a bit better, but it was very difficult to engage him in learning. To, to actually do anything i mean we you know we understood the kind of unschooling idea and just just let him be and, and just break all the habits and not try and install any regimes or anything like that he was happier but it was, it was yeah as, as a parent you sort of you know the one thing is the i don't think it was ever about the official schooling system but you've got the conditioning of an education is needed you know, and and whatever that means to you, it means, you know, it means something and you have this pressure of, like, some education has to be happening, surely. So, you know, we, we try to be cool with that and he was starting to miss people. I think he got affected by it and, and wanted, I think, very few children deep down don't want friends, don't want social contact at all. It's a position they take that, you know, if they go out and it, it doesn't work well and it doesn't go well, you, you know, you, you're either left with sort of admitting to yourself that there's something wrong with you you don't fit in or that no one's worth it you know it's their fault that people are the problem so I think he clearly he did miss his school friends to some degree or some of the people just miss some contact of some sort
0: yeah I do think that um the school thing of being in a group of people your own age is quite can be very stressful for um, a lot of children I think that if that's what they in, in, understand as socializing or being with people it's unfortunate isn't it and and it's true that there aren't many op- opportunities necessary to get out there and be with all different ages and doing things that he's interested in it's it's harder to find I think but I do think that form of socializing that school sort of insists on is not really a natural way that we would interact is it if we...
1: no not at all no, one thing as parents, I think any parent would recognise, even with multiple children of their own, is is there's absolutely no correlation between well how many months old you are and what your level and needs and social you know disposition is like. That sort of age criterion banding, and you're a third year, so you only ever mix with third years, and no one in the fourth or the second will ever talk to you know. And it's, yeah, that's kind of strange thing really, because they're all so different in in how they develop and and at what stages they need different things
0: yeah absolutely we we were talking earlier about pda as well i just know that a lot of listeners will have children who no doubt are on the spectrum and may well be diagnosed pda which or it's autism with demand avoidance i think is is generally how it's um uh, diagnosed but that's a very common it's very common for children with that diagnosis to find the control of school very very hard to live with the, the lack of autonomy as well I don't know if that's something that you...
1: yeah the whole language and definitions around ASD and all this sort of stuff has developed that you know the number of parents are sort of well, just adults now that I meet we didn't have that diagnosed no one you know was doing that and talking about it in that way then but actually I tick all the boxes as well And obviously if you're a parent of an ASD child it's probably way more likely also that one of you also is anyway you know but but I can relate a lot of it to my own experiences and my own schooling you know experiences or whatever and I don't think the, the social thing yeah, does suit the, the PDA but I personally and it wasn't always the mind. we used to call him the yes man when he was a, a toddler and he would he would be open to anything he suggested and just go oh, yeah okay and quite be quite positive about everything and it was something that only developed after he'd gone to school and and really I, I think it was just about you know, even, even alongside that the very early days of school, we would also take him to social group sports, you know, like, oh, try try this. We'll take you to a club. And he'd usually come out very quickly or within one session, kind of go, mm, I didn't really like that, I don't really want to go again. And for a while we'd have a sort of like, Oh, you know, just give it a bit more of a try. No, go on, you know, you said it was all right last week, don't just give up now on week three. You know, again, just get back in there, you know, and and probably repeated that too much for a bit. You know, not not heavily whether with this you know, a stick or anything, but just sort of try to keep encouraging and pushing him out there to mix socially in some way with somebody and I think the PDA grew from that and that there was a certain amount of trauma from being in these kind of social groups where he didn't feel comfortable and know how to respond. The concept of just avoiding our demands hadn't really come up for him until he was pushed to a point where he was like hang on they're not listening to me you know I keep telling them that I don't really want to do this. And yet here they are demanding that I do keep doing these things, you know. And so he reached a kind of mental precipice where it's like, oh, actually, I could just say no. You know, I can realize that that was possible because I think in some ways for me, parenting itself is a strange concept that puts us in in a strange power relationship position. The nature of most relationships is there's some sort of power negotiation of some sort that has to happen you know and and as a parent you're automatically in the powerful position initially to help you know just survive and and feed or whatever but time goes on i think it's almost like um your role is like stockholm syndrome you know that the prisoner learns to love the rules and the structure and the discipline and, and the whatever you know love you regardless and sort of work with it and understand what your boundaries and framework are or whatever yeah, you know, and then usually generically at some later point in teenagerhood that they kind of look at all those walls and structures and go, what the hell? I'm not having that. And I rebel against all that, you know. But I think what happens with you know, a lot of autistic kids is kind of, you know, knowing their own mind, adult sort of some sort of metric of maturity. They're kind of ahead of the other kids in, in some ways, while struggling in other areas that other kids you know, find easier and pick up and, and develop more of. And I think Luca just reached that. He just challenged all that stuff much earlier because we pushed him into a place that was so uncomfortable. And then he realised it was possible to disobey. He just realised it was possible. And then it just became a, a sort of automatic, you know, thing of like, well, he's got power. He's got control to some degree.
0: I think that there's a deep need for them to regain control because um, part of being demand avoidant is feeling so anxious when you've got no autonomy at all so i think that you're right yeah they they're pushed to their limit much more quickly than 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 many other children or or perhaps with less ability to to not show that
1: yeah and and maybe maybe you know i hate using terms like regular kids or you know whatever you know a neurotypical type profile might get more enjoyment out of the things that they get to do to, to the point that they feel they can see the trade-off between oh well I know oh, I sometimes have to do what I don't want to do or I have to put up with you know the teacher main but I get to hang out with my mates oh and I play football and I like doing this and I like doing that so overall it's not too bad whereas with Luca is like well everything about this is really anxious difficult and awkward and I'm hating it you know and there's what's the benefit so he just much more quickly reach that well i'm just not going to do this i've tried to tell the parents that i don't like and can't you know and they're not listening so it's like here's my line i'm out you know that's that really and so i'd sympathize and and now since we've sort of increasingly matched the environment to what you needed tried to you know do that it's not just pathologically avoiding any demand you know it's not that it's a fixed thing that it will just always re- refuse to do anything anyone asks it's not like that at all it really
0: is about the environment absolutely you know are you in a place where you're relaxed that you're choosing to be in yeah absolutely so what tell us a little bit about your journey there Simon between going okay yeah let's keep trying this let's keep trying this let's keep trying this and then saying okay no there's this what was deconditioning in that
1: I mean I mean I think we'd really wanted home ed to kind of work in some way we were clearly aware of the concept that school isn't great for for everyone you know my own experience all the adults that I've met and liked who are probably all on the spectrum or whatever if I look back you know but but how many of those would say oh school days they were the greatest you know I loved that that was brilliant it was something that you know you know the way I look at it some percent come out and say oh it was happiest days of my life I loved school or whatever you know and some percent you know some percent have like it was traumatic awful I hated every minute of it you know and then some lump in the middle of like I sort of endured it but I survived it it was okay you know so it's it's only quite a small percent who sort of go oh, it totally worked for me it totally liberated my world and I loved it and couldn't get enough of it and soaked it all up and was keenly learning and diligently doing everything it's, it's a small number so I didn't get my education from school really I got it you know afterwards by reading it's just essentially most most of the good stuff i've ever learned i've read or or, you know met people and discussed and then read stuff you know like it's just mostly that um
0: don't you think most of us actually self-directed if we look back at
1: yeah because you don't want to learn what you don't want to know
0: we've learned because we've we've got passionate about something so
1: exactly exactly
0: ourselves well, we found we found
1: what we need I mean the only thing you know and, and it's probably a still a hang of, of my conditioning to some degree is that, is that you know I think some of my inner doubt or, or slight kind of worry about it is the things that I learned by rote the really fundamental foundational things you know learn your times tables or just basic maths and stuff like that I, I didn't want to do that It wasn't like I sought that out at age five, six, seven, you know, and gone, oh, I really want to do that. But it was just you made to do it. But that probably that's probably all I needed out of school. I did sort of drift out and not finish my O-levels and really didn't do a lot, you know, in secondary school. But I did probably come out with an ability to, you know, waffle and draw a diagram and basic math skills, you know, that maybe, you know, you could learn, but it's definitely easier to learn when you're young.
0: I guess so. Although I think that I've certainly seen a lot of cases of children who at 14, 15 say, oh, I need to, you know, I want to do maths. And within a short time, okay, because they're intrinsically motivated and they've had years of dealing with percentages and all sorts, you know, every time Luke buys a game on Steam, he'll be seeing what the percentage discount is and, you know, all of those things they get to it with a different maturity and a desire to learn. So I suspect that actually...
1: No, it's true. And I think a lot of um, kids, small kids' appetite for learning is about wanting to please the teacher. You know, I think maybe some kids also just naturally are more curious than others and and like knowing new things and, you know, showing and and sort of learning it. But I think the problem for um, Luca and stuff is he's extremely intelligent, but very sharp and very bright. Uh, you know, issues with executive functioning, or, or you know, one one sort of element or another. Where, where I think he finds it frustrating that he can, sometimes can't just learn and do things as quick as he, as he thinks he can. And he's ten minutes. So I should be able to just master that. And then when he comes to actually do it, it's almost frustrating for him. And and he'll have to find his own way. And that's part of the whole, like throw away the curriculum and and just you know, he's got to find his own way.
0: Yeah, I think that for for children who uh, don't fit them let's say the mainstream model and I think you're right I think it's quite a small proportion who really do fit that yeah finding their own way is really valuable because for the rest of their lives they're going to need to know how they work
1: even the ones who get through school and it's okay you know we all need to do that yeah absolutely you know that's what we've all done we've all effectively done that yeah exactly and and I think it's motivation that really is one of the key things you need. To, you know, I wasn't that motivated and therefore kind of screwed up secondary school and, and didn't, because I just didn't want to be, be there at the time. I went to university as a mature student. So I decided I wanted to go there and borrow the money to go there. And I thought it was great. And it's like, oh, let me, you know, let me study stuff. But when I was 14, I, was, I had no interest in that whatsoever and made no use of the opportunity whatsoever.
0: Oh, but that's a great experience that you're bringing to this all, I think, isn't it? Going to university as a mature student with that level of motivation that's a really great perspective I would have imagined to bring to parenting
1: well you know it's, it's like I realized that basically none of the content that you learn at school is what you actually use or you know actually benefit it's not really about the content by the time you know if you get into that as an adult it's of no use whatsoever really and it's probably all out of date you, you learn it all again later so the whole curriculum thing I was you know I was never anxious about and I think we were quite both excited or you know that that we went into the homeschooling thing with like yeah actually this is what we thought all along and we should never have given in to the pressure to try and then we're a bit deflated yeah by you know we sort of thought and it does require you've got a constant battle of like trusting that it will work out which I think is easier to believe in when you see signs you know when you see signs that things happen. You, you know, even small ones. You, you know, then you you can just sort of think, oh, look, there's some small thing there. Oh, look at that. Yeah, this can work. You know.
0: Well, I think also that, um, you know, just as we can idealise school, we can idealise what being at home is like as well. And I think that a lot of people find the reality, particularly of a child who, um, socially, doesn't particularly want to engage with groups because that's where most things are, are at isn't it in these actual organized groups i think that's where really, it can be really challenging particularly when you've got that that sensation of all oh, this the child's not getting enough and um which they may well be getting enough or not i mean that's just an entirely personal situation isn't it um, every situation is different so i was talking recently to a parent who was asking about so they have an only child who doesn't want to see anybody at all um but they were finding it very hard also, that's quite intense as a, as a family atmosphere, isn't it? There's an intensity about that. So also everyone meeting their needs. Yeah, I mean, here, my my oldest son, who is also diagnosed ASD, PDA, and certainly we spent a couple of years, which probably around age 11 to 13, um, with very little social contact beyond the family. And I would say from the age of 14 that just changed completely all of his own accord. Like he just suddenly felt ready, like he knew himself, he knew what he could do, what he wouldn't do. And it was just incredible to see that sort of of flowering of a person, you know, socially or out out there in the world. And I
1: think that's one of the main benefits that parents talking to other parents, because when you start out on, on a parenting journey, you may not be at all clued into, you know, that stuff, the ASD, what in you know, the world and what it might mean or, you know, whatever it is, I guess, you know, child born with any, some sort of condition or something, you wouldn't know anything much about it until you have a child like that. And then you become an expert, well, an expert slowly, you know, but, but you don't know much when you start. So I think generally meeting other parents and like, like yourself and, and others, you know, who kind of sell, oh, you know, I'm at a different stage, or oh, mine are older, or this has happened, or oh, I had something like that. But yes, you know, because I think we, we met a bunch of home ed families and, stuff at the, at the time when we first did it around and it just all seemed so different to, to what we had going on so as, as a sort of model of comparison we were a bit like oh right they're all off learning this and here's all the artwork I've created and oh here's, here, let me show you my World War II thing that I've made and you know you know oh he does this we we're like wow if we get anything like that.
0: At home was he at least it was a break from that anxiety of school right?
1: Yeah exactly and that's the main thing I think you can't do anything and be productive or learn or, or grow or do anything if you're living in a sort of state of anxiety, you know, or, or sort of me- mental, you know, ill health or just or stress and pressure. It's just it's the complete opposite of being in a state ready to actually engage with anything. You know, and I, I think mental health's being affected, then your utter priority should just be like whatever it takes to improve that mental health the rest can, will follow. And that's why it can just come at its own pace in its own way, I think. And, and if someone's feeling confident, secure, happy, basically, then they've been far more likely to engage with the world. you know. And, and I think that's the first priority, really. That was, yeah, I think that was probably one the main sort of driver that took us to overthrow the mother-in-laws and the family pressures. And the, you can't take them out. What about the future? What about this? What about that? You know, that was a big sort of hurdle. You know, you have to be set to your guns and prepared to ride out a certain amount of flack from, you know, older relatives, wider families and stuff like that. But yeah, ultimately that realisation that mental well-being is first and that sort of confidence, security and sort of just inner, You know, happiness is essential before anything, any learning is going to happen, basically.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, when we're anxious, we our fight or flight, so that survival instinct is, you know, is on. You're right. There's nothing about you that can really, you're just not in a position for learning. You're looking to survive.
1: Most people can barely hold a decent conversation, you know, adults, whatever. If if you're actually put into fight or flight, you know, you're lucky if you can string three words together. You know, you're just in a high state of, you know, tension. So, so yeah, the environment is everything, I think. It's just about how resilient, what kind of environments people can tolerate. But, you know, you have to find, you know, some minimum level of, you know, of a decent environment, I think, before you can expect anything.
0: Sorry, as you're talking, Simon, I'm just being reminded of how much we expect of children that we wouldn't expect of adults, you know, really. We expect them to just sort of get on with it, be okay. Uh, even if you don't like the children in your class, even if the teacher's a bit mean, even if you know, and if it was if it was an adult in a job, we'd be like, whoa, yeah, yeah, let's
1: get if, out of there. yeah, exactly. You go in, and all, all the co-workers are a bit snarky and mean to you. The boss comes round, and like you know, lays it down. You'd be like, how's that new job going? You know, you wouldn't be. Yeah,
0: we would, we just wouldn't expect that. Uh, but children, I'm not sure.
1: yeah, yes, very very true. Well, again, I think it just goes back to. um the Stockholm Syndrome, I call it, or you know, in that you train them and condition them from young to accept some discipline of some sort, whatever that means, right? Some structure that's enforced from above, for conforming to expectations that sort of gets ingrained and then becomes a, you know, a fight into adulthood to take control of it. Is
0: that because we don't know any better? Because that's what we all lived through. That's all we've seen.
1: It's a really interesting, yeah. I mean, there are experiments done way back over 10 15 years ago you know where where um this guy sociologist put pc consoles into like remote villages in india and and then did you know nothing no direction just nothing you know and they go back a year later and like the older you know they're, they're learning quantum physics and the older ones are teaching the younger ones and they're, they're soaking everything up you know so it was clear that that provide access to content in the environment you know learning how can happen is and most of the stuff I've ever learned I, I learned myself I didn't go to you know I went back to uni, but that was really to show what I'd already learned. You know, I just sort of then wrote about it at uni, really, if you know what I mean, or, you know, I engaged with the materials on my own and and kind of it wasn't about uh, learning stuff from the lecturers per se, you know.
0: The ability to know how how you learn, I think, is really important as well because uh, what our children will certainly have is what we've had in our working lives, a lot of change, particularly in technology, and they're going to have that continually. And so the ability to change, to be able to pick up new skills and to know how you yourself do that. I think that's just huge. And uh, I think a child who is doing that by themselves is is just naturally getting quite a deep understanding of how they work. Uh, yeah, they may not be getting the grounding in maths by the age of 10. Yeah, but they're getting something else, which I think is just going to take Life.
1: Yeah, and that's and why I think underlying things, you can learn from almost anything. I mean, Luca's learned a, a lot about what he knows about the world, backwards inferred from the satire of The Simpsons and Family Guy, you know, and, and his, his understanding of the world and historical events is remarkable considering the sort of mental dexterity required to kind of so that must be a satire of something and i don't know who this person is but they're referring to him as, as you know kennedy and it seems he was shot you know and and, and there's a grassy knoll in bowl you know he sort of worked backwards he'd never heard of kennedy or knew that that happened but he'll mention something you'll go, oh yeah i know that happened yeah yeah it was in the simpsons you know and it clearly wasn't in the simpsons whatever really happened you know you know and watches very complex film plots so you know stories and stuff like you know really multi-threaded dramas and stuff he he completely understands all the implications of all the different types of plot twists and suggestions and music and editing you know to to weave together a really complex understanding of it so the fact he hasn't applied that to like ratios or some maths thing yet is not necessarily a a cause for alarm
0: yeah but i think don't you think he'll take in what he needs to take in what he wants to take in and then he'll apply it where he needs to apply it there'll be a
1: well exactly yeah that's what I'm saying. I mean, these have all been part of the signs to me that that it's fine. You know, it's not necessarily been informal, you know, like things. Oh, look, he's come back with a with a math paper marks nine out of ten or something. You know, or he's he's got a staff or he's, you know, his bit he had to do. It's been more that I've observed him just gradually growing in complexity and sophistication and, and, and applying and uh, learning things about the world that may be you know the content of which maybe i mean he became a a trivia expert in harry potter you know which it won't carry you far in life but he showed he could absorb these books and and digest and regurgitate and remember all the fine details and the and the relative importance of all these small facts of like well who such and such was and what that meant in book seven you know or or whatever so that, that clearly when he applied himself to plug in some other content like You know, history or something, or you know, geography, that stuff is there.
0: I think that's a really important point you're making there, Simon, for someone, particularly if anyone who's beginning on this, is that when you see your child uh, doing something, say it's Harry Potter or whatever, they're, you know, engrossed in it, they're learning about it, they're talking about it, that then will be applied throughout life to all sorts of things they're interested in. And so the idea that, oh, but it's Harry Potter, so that's got no meaning, really meaningful to them. They've found something meaningful, they've got involved, and they've covered all that ground. They're going to apply that to whatever comes up that has meaning to them, you know? And so I think often we're way too stuck on the content.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And especially, you know, even without the fact that the modern world is essentially a really rapidly changing thing where content's out of date every five years anyway you know even without that i think even back in my time you know the you know the learning to learn on the one hand you can see that they do develop and learn but but it's just not the same content you're expecting you know i can see that development and learning happening all the time and secondly that motivation is everything you know and it's like the the one thing that i'm giving them the time i'm thinking well he's he's 13 and it's like you know 18 or five years plus or whatever before he's really entering the you know the world is that time to find out what motivates him because once you're motivated people can achieve a lot very rapidly
0: yeah and I think the motivation comes and I think it comes when when a person realizes that this they find something that's uh, meaningful to them that, that that feels good to them that they want to then they will be motivated I think that's just a natural part of being a human being we're, we're all designed to engage with things to explore and to make our way in the world in a way that's meaningful to us i just think that's really important and i think a child who's got that freedom to explore you know we just have to have some patience and know that they're going to find those
1: things yeah i mean and and i think probably you know when i when i think about some of the other home ed kids and, and and stuff that we met they'd maybe some of them were also you know more slightly more neurotypical to, to start with but it also started out doing that and and so they got further it's, it's like oh yeah i am this and they were just doing their thing you know and i think the, the problem quite often with asd type thing is, is that but it sort of comes out later and they've already kind of been a bit traumatized by the time everyone wakes up and realizes that that's really what's going on you know so so i think you know unwittingly we'd sort of pushed him in into a certain you know uncomfortable anxious places for a period of time before we really woke up to oh yeah oh he's autistic oh and learn about it and so you you've already pushed them into a place they've got to get further back to recover their confidence from then if they'd never had that you know they'd probably have built the confidence sooner is what is what i mean or you know if they've got to undo the, the damage you've done them before they can really engage you know in, in a way obviously i don't feel guilty in, in a sense of like oh i've you know i've tortured my own child in that sense but
0: i think there is a healing journey though for most of these children when they
1: yeah uh, and i can sense that yeah there's
0: a healing often between often it's the child and their experiences and it's the the parent and the child
1: and again that's totally if you look through history and literature you know the the story of childhood and, and adulthood is is that journey right of whatever pace it takes you know a lot of people spend their 20s working out why their childhood messed them up so much it's almost like a way of Tackling it earlier, I, I hope, in some ways, and that they'll they'll actually come out more solid, more sure of themselves, and more rounded and less troubled, you know, sooner than 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 a lot of ones who go along with the society, go along with the conditioning, you know. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, the number of people I met in my twenties who were like, you know, one way or another, getting over for their childhood, you know, for, for years, totally standard, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and so. Um... What what are the things that you've mostly learned from this journey so far?
1: In, we're increasingly trying trying to build that trust. You know, I think I think probably I inherently maybe have it a bit more or had it earlier. You know, than than my partner, even though she was more tuned in and pushing, like you know, we should homeschool, we shouldn't send him to school at all. You know, we should just homeschool. But I think bizarrely, like I've had more trust that he will work it out. You know, as I say, all these sort of non Obvious signs. I, I can just see every three months, six months. I look back, I'm like, oh, I can just see how much more he's the conversations I can have with him, the person he is, you know, like he's so much more just sophisticated and, and deep and intelligent all the time that I'm like, well, I can trust him that.
0: Just going back to that what you were saying about conversation. Um, and I think that conversation is just a massive part of this in when you're not teaching and when they are doing what they want, then that's often is the point of contact isn't it that's so the point of uh, the meeting where they tell you things where you find out what they're interested in and i just think that our uh, main job is probably to listen to these co- and have these conversations perhaps
1: i think yeah i'd agree entirely attempting to teach luca things in some way you know let's sit down i'm now going to teach you something attempted hours versus anything learned or any pleasurable experience for either of us you know, is is on the half a percent. You know, of all the hours I put in, it was a complete waste of time. But but yet, just late night conversations when you're just relaxed and you know you've watched a film or something, and then you have a like you know a half hour hours chat about this or that. That is where all the learning has happened. Me, i learning from him and and him absorbing from me, you know, and even from quite young. When, when he is ready, he'd be like, oh, how does electricity work? Oh, how, does, how does this do this? Even if you ever open a book and went, come and see how electricity works. No, oh, no, no thing. No, I'm not doing that, you know. But when he's ready to come to you and just talk about it, and that's how I've gauged the nature of our conversations has been my main, you know, measuring stick of, of like, well, how things just generally are going and where's he at. Yeah.
0: I would totally I would just really encourage parents to uh, who are beginning in this to really have those conversations with their children, because it's where all your doubts fall away. I think when you listen to them and hear what they're interested in and it's just a very enriching. Now they tell me, you know, they don't learn anything from me. Certainly, <laughs> you know, the, the phrase now is, oh, do you want to know something interesting as someone's got something that I is so, you know, off the scale for me that um. I'm always just learning so much from them or they'll have these long political debates with their dad, which will last for sort of three hours. And there's just so much in the conversation. It's really amazing. We're running out of time here, but um, finally, any words of advice for anyone setting off on this journey?
1: Yeah, I guess I think the thing is, I'm not the first to say it right, but but um, you are the experts in your child you know no one in the system or that you meet or any educator is is got is anywhere close to to understanding your child in the way that you do and if you you know really you know listen to their needs and really think about what's a good environment for them and let that lead you know and then just let that drive you really because you, you you come under pressure you know that everyone's got a job to do and a box to tick and uh, and the criteria to meet you know and and, then whatever it is the the support services or cams or the schools it's for you to just you know ultimately no one will be able to decide better than you and then i think having having understood and read around you know then then just go with your feeling because there's a reason why you think that underneath it all it's easy to give into pressure and think oh no you're right oh i should we should do this we should do that and then really you you think oh i knew we should have just done this all the time you know and actually just go with that i knew we should do this you know and then just just trust in that
0: just trusting that brilliant great well thank you so much for your time today
1: Simon no it was a pleasure it really was lovely talking yeah you too
0: and uh, yeah so thank you and much love to your to your family
1: I will and yes see
0: you soon. thank you take thank care you. see you soon bye
1: bye bye